You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Bridge to You podcast, hosted by yours truly, Monique Russell, where we focus on promoting Black unity worldwide through conversations that help us understand ourselves and each other. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bridge to You podcast. I am your host, Monique Russell. Today, in my guest chair, I have an incredible lady who will walk us through an empowering and clarifying journey through her own self-discovery. It's funny because she's also the founder of Clarifying Coaching and Consulting. She's an author. She's a diversity, equity, and inclusion leader who is passionate about uplifting emerging leaders of color all around the world. She is the absolute perfect guest for this show, and her workshops, Create Your Best Year One Day at a Time, is widely requested all around the world. I can go on and on about our guest today, but you're going to just see how incredible and powerful she is. Clara, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me, Monique. You are so welcome. And for those of you that don't know, her full name is Clara Angelina Diaz Anderson. Make sure you go ahead and Google her. So Clara, I can't wait to get started. I'm so excited. I always ask my guests if they could choose to be anywhere in the world, where would you choose to be and why right now? Oh my God. I I keep like dancing between two places, but I think... If I had to decide, it would be on a hammock in front of the beach in Jamaica. What? (laughs) And why? I could relate to that, but tell me why. Oh, my God. So, as you know, I'm originally from the Dominican Republic, and I almost went for the Dominican Republic. But, you know, I've been to Jamaica a few times, and I really love it there. I feel like Jamaica just really embraces Black people and I feel right at home and I love the food and it's just the the vibe of, you know, it's all right, man. You know, I just, I love it. My, my husband's Jamaican and we've just had the best time there. And I once fell asleep on a hammock in front of the beach for hours and I could totally do that again. Clara, you, you've already made a picture. I'm there with you too. Okay. I'm there. I'm in the hammock. I'm on the beach. I'm relaxing. (laughs) And you know what I love about what you said is because you said, you know, Jamaica, it's like, they just really embrace black people. And I think that's also a part of the history there too. You know, the movement, the Marcus Garvey movement, Bob Marley movement, the one love movement. And I know that you were born and raised in the Dominican Republic and you identify yourself as Black, Latina, Afro, Latina. 
something that not many Latinas do. So tell us, like, how did this embracing and mindset actually come to be? What was the story there? Yeah, well, I understood this other part of my identity as something that I wanted to embrace. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who does these workshops around dismantling white supremacy. And I was explaining a situation to her at work. And she said, well, you understand you have like a one down, you know, you're like at the bottom of the totem pole. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, if you look at the whole situation, you know, like you are Latina with curly hair and darker skin. Like my skin is not black, but it's like you're not white. And in this whole power dynamic, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. And I was just like, what in the world are you talking about? And she proceeded to send me volumes of articles and books and basically like a lot of the education that brought her to do the anti-racist work, dismantling white supremacy work. And I felt like I was living under a blanket for most of my life, quite honestly. It was pretty eye-opening is like an understatement for how I felt. It was more of, um, it completely shifted my reality of who I was, everything that had happened to me, especially in my profession and how I always thought that I needed to work harder, not understanding the systems of oppression. And I could go on and on, but that was kind of the the catalyst for me, like, I didn't even know what white supremacy was. I didn't really understand racism until like five years ago, maybe. And I started to dive into all of this stuff. And now, yeah, Afro-Latina all the way. Absolutely. Wow. So, so your education around the systems of oppression and understanding white supremacy, anti-racism, sort of gave you more awareness into the whole, like where you fit into the big picture. Absolutely. And how much I had internalized Hmm. so much of like how, what other people thought I should be like, like the, you know, the whitening of myself, you know, I straight hair. It took me on a path, Monique, of analyzing my entire life and seeing like, oh, That's why my grandmother would always say, like one of our family members, let's say who was light-skinned and would do something wrong. And she'll say, oh, but she's so pretty and so light, you know, and she's pretty. And I'm like, but she just like, she did something wrong. But the fact that she was pretty and she was white-skinned kind of excused the person from doing what they were doing. I mean, it runs deep. It is. (laughs) It is. It's so powerful. It runs, it runs deep. And I started to realize too that so much of the richness, my greatest gifts, right, lie in my roots. In my roots, not just from the fact that I'm in, you know, I was born in the Dominican Republic, but even before that, like, you know, and just understanding the the migration of, you know, indigenous people in Africa and um, in Europe, and 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 just going even deeper with that, and I. I embrace that, you know, I'm, I'm more than my titles and my economic value. 
This is so inspiring and so empowering because, I mean, you really could have chosen two, two ways, right? You, you could have learned about it, become aware about it, and still chose not to embrace being Afro-Latina. Or you could have done what you did and you learned about it and you chose to actually embrace what you said earlier, all parts of your identity. So did you experience any tension, any resistance when you were going through this? What actually made you choose to embrace this? Well, the first thing, quite honestly, that I felt when I, after I started to really understand like what is systemic oppression, what is racism, you know, which is a systemic construct. I thought racism was something else. I thought racism was just like, oh, somebody treats you differently just because of the color of your skin. I didn't understand how ingrained in all systems of society it is. And quite honestly, I felt rage um, for a very long time. That's what I felt. I felt enraged, quite honestly. And it made me really want to help other people awaken, especially from the internalized oppression. Based on the work that I do, I felt that at the beginning of my work as a coach, I was helping people kind of on the surface level of define your goals, reach your goals, overcome them, like work hard or work smarter. And that's one layer, you know, of, of progress. But then there's, there's deeper internalized things that we hold ourselves to these standards that are not realistic for a human being, especially as women of color. And I saw a lot of women judging themselves over like not being able to accomplish certain things. I, I understood finally in my life that it's not about working harder and it's not even about working smarter. Sometimes it's just having, first and foremost, having that awareness of the air we breathe and the, the oppressive system in which we live. And then from there, figuring out life-affirming ways that we can live a life that is true and authentic to you, not to what other people expect you to be. What I love so much about what you're talking about is this whole blend in terms of even the business aspect, because, you know, you, you saw how this awareness and this transformation not only helped you, but it allowed you to help your clients in a deeper way, like moving from that surface level, got to get the work done, got to get the goals done, which mm -hmm. you're exceptional at to even going deeper. And then when you talked about your greatest gifts lying in your roots, I want you to expand a little bit about that because I want our audience to really see the connection from the inside out. And I guess what the benefit would be of even choosing to embrace your origin stories. Yeah, well, I have a very you know vivid picture of being in this retreat that one of my lovely friends had put together when my daughter was only a few months old. And I was extremely excited to be there because it was like the first time that I was going to be away from the baby. And I just like threw myself into this moment, this space. And one of the exercises, we had to draw like a representation of our full self. And in the retreat, I drew a picture of myself 
I do kind of like a, a picture of myself as a tree and then like with with roots and then you had to like write something in relation to what you drew and it really got me thinking of like how much I missed the Dominican Republic and also how much I had allowed myself to separate from the Dominican Republic and think about like why did I do that and part of that was because part of growing up I felt like there was just this immense amount of pressure on me to become something basically my entire family would tell me that I was going to become a lawyer however no person in my family is a lawyer and instead of becoming a lawyer I chose to veer off in another direction and explore like why am I in this world like what is my purpose and as you probably know Monique that is not a straight path it took me to maybe I want to become a painter maybe I want to work in nonprofit, and maybe I want to you know go do this for a while maybe I want to do nothing for a while how about that and I feel like I want to reconnect back to the Dominican Republic let's you know starting kind of on that level there's something there but there's still pain and then also kind of thinking about I want to understand like uh, from a bigger perspective like why does my family put so much pressure on people performing and be in a certain way and then I started to kind of understand and research countries that were colonized how that like literally kills people's souls and it makes you want to just become a person that, you know, that wants to become like the oppressor. I didn't want to be like that anymore. I, I wanted to just be and give myself permission to be. Clara, this is so deep. This, this is so, so deep. It, It is literally giving me goosebumps as I'm listening to you because it's so relatable. Um, but you, you're able to put this in words for us to understand on a deeper level, because I remember doing a show here with uh, Jennifer, and she also talked about the origin, like disconnecting from actually uh, her country in Jamaica, because there was pain there and trauma there. And now learning how to experience her country of origin without the pressure, without the pain. And I hear you say the same thing, like now learning how to experience your origin. You you miss your origin, your roots, your Dominican Republic culture. Um, But that trauma and that pain kept you away or disconnected. I can tell you for sure the same thing is happening in a lot of other Caribbean countries, a lot of other African countries, Nigeria, Togo, you know, Ghana, wherever, where people have been hurt by their origin country. And so they choose to disconnect, disengage, disassociate. But if we choose to do that and we stay away, we're not really embracing all parts of us and we're missing out on the best pieces of our roots, the gifts that you mentioned. And that's what I really want the audience to be able to hear. So I want to now pull this to what you do as a coach, because this depth of awareness and the insight around the whole colonization portion and the imposter, quote unquote, imposters that this history of colonization creates is something that 
when you're when you're working with women business owners or business owners of, of color all around the world, I really want you to talk about how this creeps into the business aspect. You know how how this performing, how this disassociation or disconnection from origin, how it impacts the business as business owners, and then also how to begin that healing process? Like, what would you advise on the healing process? Yeah, well, my work as a coach has really helped me to kind of force me to go even deeper and not just stay in the place of disassociation. And I love my country, but I felt, I feel like I've come to peace with that. And that is through one, it's education, like really understanding, like, why are my people this way? When I dissociated from my country, I was also disconnected from parts of myself. And I see that it would in, in my work as well, where, you know, women are wanting this idea of success that comes from something they saw in a book or, you know, the next job title making a certain amount of money and you know as hardworking women that we are women of color hell yeah we get there like we we get the money we get to the positions and then we feel like we don't belong like somebody's gonna find out that you know I made it here somehow and and that's like this like lurking shadow in the back of our minds especially like here in Massachusetts where I live the, the corporate world is, is made up of a lot of, you know, white individuals. And so when a, a woman of color makes it into leadership, it's like she's, you know, she's this unicorn that made it there. And there's a lot of silent suffering by a lot of these leaders of color that I work with. Uh, a lot of feeling like I have to work not just twice as hard, but three times as hard which then doesn't allow for, you know, the real work of leadership, which is around like actually being a leader and influencing and speaking your mind and pushing things further. And they stay kind of like stuck in this space of like, I'm just doing more. I don't feel any better. I'm not really doing any more meaningful work because they don't really have the space to do that. They don't give themselves the space to do that. The environment doesn't give them the space to do that. Part of the work that I do is helping women understand that, listen, it's not about you being any smarter because you're already dope and you're smart as hell. That's how you got here. You know, it's like, first, let's understand like the dynamics of this space. Okay, let's understand that sometimes white folks don't necessarily want you to speak up. Or maybe they want you to speak up, but only like in a certain way, you know, not to be too loud. Um, so let's, let's understand the pressures of this whole situation of the code switching. Like many people don't even understand that they're doing that. That is good. And let's look at the fact that you're doing 150% as opposed to like your 100 and the fact that you're doing the extra 50% is keeping you spinning your wheels. 
And let's look at the history of this country and how it relates to the work environment and the programming and systems of oppression. And let's go over the four eyes of oppression, you know, in, in your internalized oppression of yourself. And that's like a whole nother layer that sometimes really surprises people that, wait, but, but I thought we were talking about strategy. I thought you were going to talk to me about how I can like, you know, influence people and yeah, we can totally do that. But it's like, if you're not able to peel back those layers so that you can actually be a leader, you ain't influencing no one. Mm-mm. So a lot of what I do is also help people understand that there is this long-standing programming and this invisible legacy that we carry with us. Wow that due to white supremacy and how it's in the air that we breathe, we're not even aware of sometimes. Wow, that's really good. And I think that is an exceptional model for business coaching. I mean, like you said, like, you know, most people will think, okay, we're talking about strategy. We're talking about, you know, like goal setting, but to have this portion, I think it is an exceptional approach and it's approach that creates for much more long-term success and sustainability in business. And I'm also now thinking, because this is a model that, let's just keep it 100, because a lot of coaching models are there that don't include this portion, right? Like coaching programs don't include this portion of self-awareness because, I mean, let's face it, most, most people can't go this deep, if, especially if you haven't gone that deep yourself. So I see where uh, coaches of color like yourself have a very uh, competitive advantage or are uh, pulling yourself apart from the rest is to be able to now incorporate that whole aspect of connecting to your origin. Like, okay, what's, what's, what's your origin story? Are you, what, what aspects of your identity, like you said, are you choosing not to embrace how have you chosen to disassociate from your, your um, country of origin? What are those wounds there? Because mm-hmm. once we start to begin that healing process, now you're opening up yourself to more leadership influence and impact. So thank you so much for that, Clara, because that is <laughs> incredible. Yeah. And to be able to like, feel like you really belong, right? It's like, the environment that we're in yes like of course white people got to do their job but we also have to feel how do we feel like we belong we have to belong with it to ourselves first yes yeah, yeah. and then we can we can belong in the spaces where we that we exist and accept others because when we belong and embrace that belonging to ourselves, now we can also accept others. I think I heard you say, you know, you, you were blind or you had a blanket over you and then some people choose or they're, they're code switching and they don't know, they're not aware of it. And so sometimes we are finding ourselves perpetuating those same racist behaviors among black cultures because we just don't know so to your point when we get to that place of belonging within ourselves now we could look at other cultures and say hey we can not only be a better leader but we can create space for others to also feel belonging so clara before we begin to wrap up is there anything you'd like to share with the audience that we haven't discussed anything that you'd like to share 
Why we're wrapping up already. My goodness. I feel like we just started. I know. You know, I think my message these days, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a coach and I, I love my work. I feel extremely privileged um, to do what I do, but I think in the bigger scope of what I do is really around using the coaching entrepreneurship. Everything I do is really a tool to uplift those who historically haven't had the advantages of having someone say, you are worthy, uh, no matter what your title is, no matter what you've been through, you deserve a second chance. You can give yourself permission to imagine the life that you desire and maybe different from the life that everybody else around you has lived. But you, you have every right to chart your own path. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's like you have permission to do that and that there's, there's people out there that will support you in that. And there's, I think, a whole tribe of, of us I include you, Monique, in that, that, you know, are really um, kind of holding the torch for others to say, like, you, you can chart your own path, you can embrace all that you are, and that uh, you don't have to adhere to this model, this white model of how things need to be. That's pretty much what I, I just want to say. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Clara. And for our audience, I hope that you guys caught all the nuggets. This is an incredible episode. Listen to it. Share it at least five times. You want to go back and listen to everything that Clara talked about today, because I tell you for sure, when you can choose to embrace, like she said, embrace all aspects of your identity, you're going to open yourself up to the power of using your gifts from your roots. And that's just going to make you feel connected. You're going to feel like you belong. You're going to embrace other parts of yourself and you're going to be honest. And once you're honest about that pain and disconnecting from your place of origin and understanding the impact of colonization and how it's playing out in your life internally, then you will be able to take yourself to a deeper level. Clara, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they find you? I'm on all social platforms, especially LinkedIn and Instagram. I spend a lot of time there, um, but also my website. And if anyone wants to have a conversation, you know, about starting this journey of uh, liberation, I offer a short complimentary calls and they can access those on my website, which is my full name, ClaraAngelinaDiaz.com. Perfect. Everyone, once again, thank you for listening to Bridge to You. Until next time, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to the Bridge to You podcast. Visit ClaireCommunicationSolutions.com or connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, or Instagram at ClearCommunicationCoach. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.